Welcome to the family on the Tom Bernard Podcast with Dave Schrader and Andy Brant Bernard. Damon West, Stephen Mackey. Could be McKee, too, I suppose. We shall find sure. out. Good. We'll find out, ladies and gentlemen. The Locker Room. Explore the power of communication to heal hurt, overcome adversity, and build a unified team. It's just a feel-good show today. I like it. What do you think of that? We'll be right back with Damon and Stephen right after this. Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finished number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J-Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the Minnesota sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Hey folks, it's Brian Zepp, and spring is finally here. If you're like me, you're seriously ready for some wind therapy. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank Damon West and Stephen McKay, or Mackie. Stephen, how do you pronounce your last name? Mackie. It is Mackie. See, I, that's why I went McKee or Mackie, so I wanted to make sure we were covered. And Damon, is it West or West? You thank you very much. Great to be here. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Good to be here, too. No, that's the first great. time this ever happened, Stephen. You know what, fellas, y'all call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for supper, you know what Don't I mean? call me late for supper, absolutely. No, but I just, uh, I've known people with that, that spell their name that way that were McKees and Mackies. So, there you go. Potato, potato, huh? Indeed. Thank you for your patience, there by the go. way. I know we're a few minutes late getting you on, so thanks for your patience. Uh, Damon West and Stephen Mackey are with us, ladies and gentlemen. The locker room, and explore the power of communication to heal hurt, overcome adversity, and build a unified team. 
it's a great time to have you on because we just uh, had a man on. Jai Hansen is running for Hennepin County Sheriff, and he could not find a nicer human being. And all he was doing was talking about let's let's come together, let's uh, live a better life, a cleaner life, and let's respect one another. And now we got uh, Damon and Stephen on to talk about building a unified team as well. It's a feel-good day on the Tom Bernard podcast today, which I really, we really need it, you guys. We really do. So what's the latest? Well, fellas, we're, we're thankful to get to, to spend some time with you, you know, and, and as we sat down, Damon and I, to, to write this book, you know, it, it came out of really the front row seat that he and I have to working with teams from nonprofits and businesses, small business and large uh, to, to sports teams across the country. And, and we said, you know, this thing we see over and over again, people say it, and when we say it, they get it. You know, man, if America had a locker room, then we wouldn't have a lot of the problems that we had. Like if, if we had a place where we could come together, where no, where we didn't care or look down on you for where you came from, mm-hmm. but we looked up to you for what you brought to the table, man, like, can you imagine the conflict that would be avoided? The adversity, the, the self-inflicted adversity, that could be that could be you know non-existent because I saw the best in you and not the worst in you, and so that's that's when we sat down to write this book. We said, man, we, we could help bring this simple teaching story, uh, the power and miracle of a locker room, the families and businesses and people across the country. I think it's a wonderful idea. I think it's a great plan. And why? When did we lose that? Have human beings always had a real problem with that? Hey, let's let's uh, not look for the worst in you. Let's let's look for the best in you. Was there ever a period when we did that, or is it something we've just been working on for thousands of years? Hmm. You know, I, I think that core values are so important mm-hmm. uh, for any group, team, organization, country, county, city, whatever it is. Your core values matter because that's what you stand for. And when you lose your core values, you lose your weight. And I think so much of what's going on right now is in this country, we've lost our way in some ways. And look, and I love this country. Stephen loves this country. Y'all love mm-hmm. the United States of America. But I think the only thing better than the United States of America, the only thing greater than the United States of America is her potential. And I don't think that we are living up to the core values, the potential of America. And, and I don't mean this as a shot to any side of the spectrum. I'm talking about all across the board. We've lost our way. And we stopped communicating with each other a long time ago. And we started talking, started screaming at each other instead of listening to each other. And everybody wants to feel like they've been heard. And I don't think right now in America, I think he's gone on for a while. I don't think people feel like they've been heard. And so we we thought, because we're both athletes, we both played sports growing up in Texas, and Texas football, I don't know if you've ever heard about Texas high school football, but it's a pretty big deal. Mo down in our home. Yep. It's a, like a religion big deal kind mm-hmm. of thing. I mean, like people, people go on Friday nights to worship this stuff they call high school football, but it's a big deal. But we saw in sports the opportunity to tell a story because sports has always gotten their first in America. Man, sports has always been first. Before there was Martin Luther King Jr., there was Jackie Robinson. Before yep. you integrated lunch counters in this country, you integrated a locker room. So we were talking about the idea of America needs a locker room. What if we had a locker room? What better way to do that, to convey that, than to have a sports team 
where this locker room, this miracle of the locker room takes place, if we can see that in America we can have our locker rooms again if we just go out and have these things like humility and grace. Because the locker room doesn't have to be a sports place. It can be a coffee shop. It can mm-hmm. be two people in a conversation. It can be people in a boardroom. It can be people in a meeting. It can be a person calling another person. But we don't have a locker room right now in this country. You know, our stuff that we call cable news now, whether it's from the left or the right, right. screams at each other. It tells people to fear everybody around you. Yep. And it's really not even news. It's negative entertainment. We And we go and we worship in front of these TVs with this negative entertainment. And we wanted to bring everybody back, take a pause and say, hey, let's, let's tell a little story. It takes about an hour to read. It's a really easy book to read. We, and, we, and we just wanted to tell a story about what could happen if you would come with humility and grace to any topic in America. You know, I love the the list you guys included in the locker room. We're talking to Damon West and Stephen Mackey um, about living a better life, living uh, a much more enjoyable life. In the locker room, you'll find a guide to building an inclusive culture. What's that all about, fellas? Well, listen, there's the the commitments of a locker room. We, We identified several commitments that healthy locker rooms and great teams make. And, and we're convinced that when you make, and we've seen it, when you make these commitments, then you create an environment in which everyone is welcome to bring the, to bring the best of them, that everyone has a seat at the table to make a difference. So the commitments of a healthy locker room that can be made in any space is that first you commit to a common goal, that you commit to say, hey, we might not be uniform but we're going to be united. And I know that's cliche to say, but it's this very clear sense that we have a singular common goal. We want to beat the other team. And, and, and right now, and I think we don't, we don't know what we're fighting. We'll fight against each other and not for each other. So you, you make a commitment to have a common goal. The second commitment is to say that diversity is not an obstacle to overcome, but it's our strength to overcome obstacles. That what makes you you and me me that's what makes us us. That on anything, if you only have accountants, well, then like you're gonna have you're gonna have a hard time come come sales report report time. If you only have offensive linemen, hey, you have a great offensive lineman, but old boy ain't gonna get down the field and make the catch or the throw. We each have strengths that we bring to the table, and so we're gonna commit to celebrate those uniquenesses and and use those uh, to become our collective best. The third commitment of a healthy locker room is that making a mistake doesn't make you a mistake. Mm-hmm. That we, we live in a world of cancel culture, and you're quick to be canceled if you say the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong place. And, and in a healthy locker room, we value accountability, but we don't value holding you hostage. Because when you get held hostage, you have no choice but to do what the person with power says you must do. But when you're held accountable... So then you learn to own a mistake so that you can change a mistake and you can learn from it and move forward. The fourth commitment of a healthy locker room is that hard days are endured, hard truths are received, hard uh, conversations are had, and they're used to become encouragements to become our best. Fifth is that a standard is the standard, and it's not lowered for anyone regardless of age or stage or status in the community. And then finally, that your success is my success, mm-hmm. and my success 
is yours. When we make those commitments, regardless of where our locker room is, then everyone has a seat at the table because we value one another. We show respect with our actions, not just with our words, and we listen. And when we listen and have conversation, then growth can happen. When we fail to do those things, then growth is impossible. You know, it's been a great uh, day so far because in the first hour we had uh, uh, he's running uh, Jai Hansen is running for uh, Hennepin County Sheriff, and he's a black man in America today. And we had one of the most pleasant conversations about the very things you're talking about. That where I grew up, I grew, I grew up in a neighborhood that was was uh, black, white, Jewish, and Spanish. Those were the people that I grew up with, right? And we all hung out. We all went to school together. We all had a great time. We played sports together. I didn't see any of this, oh, we just can't get along because of our skin color. It just doesn't. It's a lie, and people make money with that lie. And we got to stop these people from making money off of strife. And maybe you want to try to make uh, some money from being inclusive, I guess good for you, but this whole thing, driving us apart just so they could pocket a few bucks, is really disgusting to me, uh, Stephen and Damon. I'm just telling you, it's disgusting. Yeah, I grew up in, in a town similar to the, to the one you grew up in. I grew up in a town called Fort Arthur, Texas, and it was a very oh, sure. big melting pot of a city. And I was so fortunate enough to grow, grow up there because I was, you know, I was introduced to different cultures, different races, and, you know, really being white was a minority in the town I grew up in, and I mm-hmm. had really good people around me, but, you know, the idea of the locker room, even though I grew up in a giant melting pot of a city, I've never been a black man in America. Steven right. has, Steven's biracial, Steven's, you know, half black, half white, so he's biracial, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a white guy, so when we wrote the locker room, you're going to see there's four characters in this book. Two of them are white, two of them are black. And when we wrote these characters, there's one character, and I won't reveal who it is. It's one of the black characters. Stephen wrote this guy almost entirely by himself because there's reactions that this character has to what's going on that I've never been a black man in America to, mm-hmm. to be able to say I can respond to that how a black man would, but, but Stephen has. And then he, and on the white character, you know, there's stuff that I, I wanted to write in there is the 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 white character because I've been a white man in America and I understand that. And so mm-hmm. I think that we lost along the way somewhere in this country, the, uh, the ability to have these conversations and, yeah. you know, Stephen yep. reaching out to me and saying, Hey, Damon, we're both in the world of sports. I'm seeing this going because Stephen's curriculum, Stephen's curriculum is in front of almost a million students in Texas mm-hmm. schools every week. I mean, this is really covered the state of Texas, which is a massive state. But he's saying, I'm seeing the same thing over and over again. And I'm, I'm responding back to him. I'm like, yes, I'm seeing the same thing, too. And he's like, what if we could bring a locker room? You know, what if we could bring the locker room back, back to America? Because we have one time, guys. And I think you're talking about You're, you're talking about the nostalgia mm-hmm. that you had when you were younger for this place yep. that we had in America where, where people got along better. And, but we didn't have back then. Here's the thing, guys. We didn't have a 24-hour news cycle back then. Right. And we didn't have social media back then. And by the way, the news cycle, talk about profiting, the news cycle back then, news news was required for every station and every network to do by the FCC to be able to keep your license. News was a, a thing they lost money on. They didn't sell commercials during the news. They didn't make money on news back then. Mm-hmm. Walter Cronkite back in those days, 
News was something they had to do to keep their license. They had to inform the populace. And that First Amendment of the freedom of the press, that's where they exercised that. But it's whenever thing was, things were deregulated with the FCC, when the airways were sold, that's when cable news started coming around and they started selling commercials during cable news. Now, think about this for a second. Whatever news you watch, whether you're on the left or you're on the right, watch the commercials that come on during that newscast. Mm-hmm. That's where you're getting your information from. That's correct. Because that's who's paying for that program to come on. And you guys are on radio. You know this, man. That is when the buck started turning and we started losing more and more of our way. Because in this country, I think we can all agree that you can go, you can, you can watch TV if you had MSN and Fox News on the other one. And you watch both at the same time. You would think you're in a different universe. Oh, but no you're still doubt. in the same country. <laughs> and it's like, you know, a good story about that. So, but, but knowing that, because you have to know audience and you have to know where you are right and so what Stephen and i did when we wrote this book before we sent it out to the publisher we thought you know what this is going to require some serious market testing because we're doing some heavy lifting that little one hour read you're going to get a lot of power in there and we do some heavy lifting of some tough topics and so Stephen and i were like look let's take this out and market testing because we don't want to cancel ourselves out in the process of writing a book that said, hey, the cancel coach has gone too far, we don't want to cancel ourselves out, right? So we took the book, we sent it out to coaches that we knew around America. Some of them were from the far right, some of them were from the far left. And we asked all these coaches the same question. Hey, where you are right now in America, right where you are, tell us what this book means to you. How does it make you feel? And give it to us with both barrels because we don't want to hurt our platform in the process. Gentlemen, the word that came back from all these men individually was the same exact thing. Oh, my God, when is this book coming out? My team needs this book. My, my group needs this book. My organization needs this book right now. And that's when we knew we threaded that needle and we wrote that book that America needs so badly right now. You know what I really like, too, in your descriptor for the locker room? Um, the first words in every sentence are a guide, the blueprint, encouragement, strategies, and techniques. That couldn't have been stated better. I don't know who wrote that, but all of those things are things that people need there. They're the most important things, in my opinion, about the book. Guides, blueprints, encouragement, strategies, techniques. Teach me how how to act properly. Teach me how to behave. Teach me how to, how to improve my thought process. I really like that, that you wrote it that way. Well, thank you so much. It's interesting that you would say that because in my work with athletes, they say the exact same thing. I, I ask yep. young people, this generation, I ask them, I said, tell me, what's something that you think adults don't get right about you? What's something they think about you that they, that they don't know, but they need to know? And they said, it's the most powerful thing. They told me, they said, I don't need more pressure. I need more encouragement. I need more equipping and more coaching. I already have enough pressure on me to do all of the things. I want to reach my goals more than you want me to reach my goals. I just don't know how to do it. And it's really overwhelming. And it's really stressful. And, you know, I, I don't think that that sentiment is, is stuck with just teenagers today. I think there's a lot of us that feel the pressure of division and hate and this is not the way things are supposed to be in this, but we just 
aren't confident in how to change it and how to do something different. And so our hope in writing this is that this would be a descriptive, but not prescriptive way of, of how you can get some equipping. And, and that if people read it and they go, hey, I don't agree with this, our great hope is that they would sit down with somebody, read it together, and they would have a conversation about how they might handle that situation differently, about how they might respond with a different perspective, and that they would listen to one another. Because, again, when we listen to one another and we have conversation, growth can happen. But when we're committed to being right instead of curious, and we are committed to talking at people instead of listening to people, we're going to be in trouble. Uh, Stephen, tell me a little bit about Two Words Character Development, the uh, the development program that, that you're involved with. reaches over a half a million students, athletes, educators over 10 states. What's that all about, Stephen? You bet. So it's, it's my life's work. I'm just so fired up and so thankful that every day I get to go to work serving coaches and kids. And, and at its heart, what I do is, is I help teams build a culture of character. Excellent. Because, you know, when you think about athletics, you think about that short self-life skill set, the talent, right? Scoring points, getting recruited, all of the things that are connected to the field. But you know what happens for 100% of athletes who play a sport? It ends. At mm. some point, I'm telling you, doesn't matter if it's into high school, yep. into college, or you could be Tom Brady 22 years in, it can <laughs> end and then start back up. But guess what? It's going to end again. Yep. And if, as coaches, we only teach young people how to be good at a game, we have wasted the greatest classroom and the greatest opportunity that, that, that we've ever been given. And so what I get to do is I help coaches and kids connect the dots between sports and life, to help them see that the very same skill sets that help them be successful on the field, toughness, discipline, integrity, belief, excellence, work ethic, service to your team, but those same skill sets are the very skill sets that will help them be successful in the game of life. You'll never lose helping somebody else win. You, you will always be better for getting a, a rep at being excellent in the small thing when you get to the big thing. That when you believe you can, then you, get to, then you find a way to go and do incredible things. And we teach young people in sports how to get those character reps of they're playing a game so that when they get to the game of life, they'll have a strong character, a character that does not get outrun by their talent. I tell them all the time, and this maybe more than anything sums up what I do, I tell students and coaches, never let your talent outrun your character. Have a fast talent and a big talent and a strong talent, but have a faster character and a bigger character and a stronger character. And no matter where you go, what you do in the game of life, you'll be successful. All right, I have to ask both Damon and Steven, do you guys have good parents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, from my answer, look, great parents. Guys, my parents, as a matter of fact, next week, on June 1st, they'll celebrate 54 years of being married. Oh. And so while I know that that's not – Necessarily, I mean, you got it like maybe a one or two shot in America to even have that anymore, and the divorce rate, right? But yeah, so I didn't come. I didn't come from a broken home. I didn't come from a dysfunctional family in that sense. And I had every opportunity. I had every advantage, honestly, because I had came from a great, loving home, and and they they exhibited that throughout my life. And I had 
I've read through some really tough times in life and they never let go of me because they love me unconditionally. And that's one thing I can say about my parents that they love me unconditionally and they showed that with their actions too. You know what's so funny about that is I get I do a morning show in town as well. Been on it for 37 years, and I cannot tell you how many times I've had people call in and say, would you tell Tom to stop telling us on the radio how much he loves his wife and his children and his grandchildren? We know he talks about it a lot. Tell him to stop saying that. Why would you want me to stop telling you how much I love my family? How stupid is that? Right? Yeah. Well, you know, the thing of family, I mean, Stephen's got... Stephen's got... No, we're losing you. Do we? Do we lose him? Uh, no. Hello. Connections. Yeah, I think we lost. Oh, I think. Yeah, I think we lost. I think we lost Damon there. No, no we lost I'm Damon. here. Oh, oh you're there. there. Okay, good, good, good. Can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you now. Excellent. What were you saying? Oh, I was saying, I was saying, Stephen, tell them about your family. I mean, because Stephen's family is dynamic. It's amazing. You listen to listen about Stephen's family and what they've done as a family together for the last five years, and he's built his business. I want to hear it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I, my, you know, like you talking about my, my kids, I'll, I'll look at them every day. I have four kids. My son Harrison is nine. He just turned 10, actually. He's my prop. I, uh, you know, a couple of us still love in our household, so I dunk on them daily. Got to let them know. Uh, my daughter, uh, Jane, is seven. She's my love. I've been wrapped around every finger and toe. Uh, our son Porter <laughs> is four. We call him our, our joy because he's always got a joke. He's never got clothes on, but he's always got a joke. He's <laughs> yeah, like free ranging, <laughs> butt naked, chasing the goats and the chickens. Sure. We live in the country. And uh, and then our son Jack is two, and we call him our gift, uh, if you know what I mean. And so it made our team bigger and stronger and better. But, you know, I, I tell them every day how much I love them. And I look at them and say, guess what? Yep. And they roll their eyes and they say, oh, you love me. And I'm like, yep, I love you. And then why do you tell me so much? It's because I need you to not only hear it, I, I need you to know it. Because there was a time, guys, where my actions did not match my words. So oh, when we started two I words uh, back in, in January fifth of January twelfth, twenty seventeen, I had the idea for two words. And at that time, we had two kids, and and I just went all in. Like I'm a go big or go big kind of guy. And so I went all in on this. And for that, when you're starting a business, it's just one of those things where you just get tunnel vision and you don't think about anything else in the world except taking that next step. And you work from early in the morning to late at night. And, and along the way, we found out we were going to have Porter. And I got to a point where I told my wife, and fellas, it's a miracle. You know God is real because I'm still standing here talking to you. After what I'm about to tell you, I told my wife. All right. I looked at my wife and with complete sincerity in my words, I said, babe, I need you to have this baby on the 14th, 15th, or 16th. Because on the 13th and on the 17th, I'm actually getting paid to speak, and we have to have this money. So if you have them on the wrong day, I'm going to have to say no to it, or they're going to pay me, and we ain't going to be able to get out the hospital but a very, you know, and it's just a miracle that I'm still standing here. But I'm not proud of it, but I'm telling you, he was born on the 16th and on the 17th I was speaking. Oh, for for some nominal amount of money. And the rest, the first year of his life, that really described 
how I treated my family. I spoke that I loved, but I showed that work was more important. And in that spring of 2018, my wife said, listen, something's not right. Like this, this oh. isn't going to work. You need to choose. Do you want work or do you want your family? And again, I'm a go big or go big kind of guy. So I said, well, what if there's a third way? And she said, or will you take your shot? What do you got? <laughs> I said, what if we sold everything? I said, let's sell everything we own. Let's buy a truck and a fifth wheel and let's travel together. Cause I was on the road contest. I said, what if y'all just came with me? The kids are young enough. I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. So let's just go. And so for three and a half years, we traveled full time together and, and we were on the road. We did 26 states everywhere. I spoke, my kids went with me and my wife and we just traveled together. I'd never been in an RV. I'd never pulled an RV. I didn't know anything about anything about fixing RVs. I just said, look, let's, you know, let's let, my actions match my words. And, uh, and over these last three and a half, four years, uh, I- I'm proud to say that my words, my actions have become congruent. And, uh, and it-, it was not without great sacrifice on a lot of people's part. My wife sacrificed her dreams for work. Uh, and now we're able to start building, you know, her, her business and her dreams. Um, our kids have sacrificed a lot, but we've been together. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge... And, that's and there's huge. nothing better than being a dad. Oh, I agree with that. My son's sitting here. Usually our, uh, my daughter's here and my wife is here, but they took the day off because they thought it was a little too crowded. But I tell you exactly what you're talking about. My son is sitting right here. But a couple of nights ago, I got home, and I, was, I had a long day. You know, you have those long days, and people are just railing on you, and you're just worn out and all the rest of it. And... I went over and gave my wife a hug, and I kissed her, and she said, are you worn out? And I said, no, I'm in love. And she looked at me like, mm. I mean, and that's how I felt. I don't give a rat's ass how I feel. I'm in love with you. Right? Yeah. 42, years, 42 years we've been together, and I love yeah. the woman more now than I ever have. It's, it's just, it gets better, Damon. I'm a yeah, lot man. older than you guys are. Damon and Steven, it gets a lot better. I'm just telling you. Hey, Tom, can you reel it back a little bit? Hey, I got a wife I got to go home to, and now I've got a whole new freaking level <laughs> yeah, to step right. up to, you no, jerk. You got major problems. I've been married for, I've just celebrated my third anniversary. I, I got married for the first time when I was 43 years old. There you because go. Because on, on May 18, 2009, and this is a whole different story for a different time, May 18th, 2009, I was sentenced to life in prison for organized crime. Whoa! And, and I went to prison. I made parole. Yeah, and, and I'm on parole the rest of my life, but I turned my life around. That's why the parole board let me out early. I did seven years and three months, but when I got out, you know, I didn't ever think I'd find somebody that would love me like that, like that, and mm-hmm. a family that would take me in on, on the, that person's side. But May 18th, 2019, 10 years to the day, 10 years to the day, gentlemen, that I was sentenced to life in prison, I got married for the first time to a woman named Kendall Romero. She has a daughter named Clara, who's my stepdaughter. And my wife likes to joke around and say, she said, yeah, on May 18th, you went from one life sentence to another one. That's but right. I can tell you, this one right here, <laughs> this one right here, man, it's a much better, I like my cellmate so much better than I like my cellmate in prison. This is a great ride I'm on, guys. And I've enjoyed it. I love learning from other men that have been through it before. Stephen's stories, your stories. That's how I learned. Nick Saban told me one time when I spoke to his team, he said, Damon, good players learn from their own mistakes. Mm-hmm. Great players, they learn from the mistakes of others. So that's how I choose to learn my mistakes about marriage from other people. 
Well, so there you go. Steven, stop hanging around with these crooked white people. What are you doing? <laughs> Just. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, hey, hey, listen, you know, the good news, the good news about as wild as Damon's background is. Right. You know, that's a whole different, that's a different perspective on diversity. Earlier we were talking about yeah, yeah. You know, different perspectives. And this is a different view on diversity. And, you know, you, you, know, you talk about, well, we, we want to go back. Well, you know, someone in my seat might go, well, you know what, I don't want to go back. Uh, but go back to win. Uh, and that's where yep. and why it's so important that we understand that diversity is much more than a color of a skin. Yep, no that question. It's experience, it's choices, it's family. And when, I didn't say, when I am humble enough to learn from your marriage mistakes and your marriage victories, when I'm humble enough to learn from other people and to go, I haven't experienced that, but I'm willing to learn from that anyway. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we become stronger. That's how our diversity becomes our strength. And so maybe to bring it full circle, you know, conversations like we're having today and the ones that will happen over coffee or pizza or barbecue down here in Texas, you know, or, or, or around, uh, you know, a, a hole in the ice. Uh, up in Minnesota, or whatever. Oh, here you know, whatever we go. Saying. They always <laughs> have to bring up the ice holes. <laughs> <laughs> nice shot, Stephen. Good shot. Really good shot. You yeah, know however, the cold hell up there. That was witty. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> however it's done, and wherever it's done, you know, when we're willing to sit and have a conversation and commit to one another, I will listen to you. I don't have to be right. Yep. I want to know you more than I want to be right. What will happen is this overwhelming sense of empathy will replace this obsessive drive to be right, and we will both be better for it. I love it. The, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, just a fantastic, fantastic interview. The Locker Room's the name of the book. Explore the power of communication to heal hurt, overcome adversity, build a unified team. And I couldn't agree with you more. This whole thing with, with, with race relations in, in America right now is all about money. They don't care about our skin color. They don't care about it at all. It's just how can they make money from it? So let's all just keep talking, stay together. Damon, Stephen, remain friends. Uh, it's been a I love this interview. You guys are nothing but positive. You're very, very bright, both of you. Don't take that with you, though. I just called you bright, but don't tell anybody I said that, okay? <laughs> It'll be our secret. It'll be your secret. I want you guys to come back. Stay in touch, if you would, please, because I love everything you're talking about, every bit of it. And you've now inspired Tom and I next winter to speak ice hole to ice hole about everything in our lives. Exactly. I can close with (laughs) this. If we can can do that, then, I mean, we really are making a difference. (laughs) Damon and Stephen, I'll close with this. Yesterday, came to work. I I, I do uh, the morning show from the same studio. And I wore shorts yesterday. It was uh, raining, and it was 42 degrees when I got to this building yesterday. There's an 85-year-old woman who, who, by the way, has got black hair. She's 85, and her hair is still black. I don't know how that happened. Mm, But in any case. Must be good jeans. Must be, yeah. She's about five feet tall, maybe at the most. And I'm walking down the hall. 85-year-old woman, five feet tall. She's coming down the hallway the other way. She looks at me. She goes, Tom, you're wearing shorts. That's brave and stupid. <laughs> I thought that was phenomenal. Damon and Stephen, come back soon. I love talking to you. The book is called The Locker Room is Available Everywhere, correct? Amazon, for sure. Yes, sir. 
Come Barnes back soon. Barnes a million in your local independent bookstore. We'll get it done. Yeah, guys, this was this was great, man. Thanks a lot for having us on, man. We really enjoyed the time with y'all. You spent your most valuable resource with us, which is your time. Thank God. I just absolutely enjoyed it myself. Thanks. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye. We've got to take a break. Be right back. A couple minutes with the family. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. Who's winning this thing? The Kitties, the Pack, the Bears, or the Purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. Continuum is here, it's new, and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. There are no pills or surgeries. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole, nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They are upfront with their pricing. And most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation and find out more today. Go to their website, ContinuumWeightWellbeing.com, or call or text them at 952 952- Four nine one six five two seven. That's Continuum. C O N T I N U U M. ContinuumWeightWellbeing.com. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing. Life beyond weight loss mode. There you go. You're all set. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it immensely. you got to read this. I uh, just got a package. Tom and family, a little gift from the 10 spot. It was nice uh, meeting you and Catherine last summer. Thank you for all the kind words on the air. Best wishes for a great summer. From the 10 spot crew, got four baseball caps. Andy's got one. What, what, yours is red, Andy? Sure is. Alex and Catherine's are uh, pink, and mine's blue. But the 10 spot, we loved meeting you guys up there as well. Took some pictures together, talked to some uh, bunch of listeners up there. The owners of the bar could not meet a nicer family. So thank you for the gifts. I'll be, I'll be wearing my 10 spot hat very proudly. I just want you to know. Right? Agreed. You horn tootin'. 
I got no skin in this game. I didn't get a hat. I'm the only bald guy in this room. Oh, 10 spot. We it's need another hat. True. Well, officially, Andy, oh, okay. you you could grow your hair and still have 90% of it, uh, right? I don't know. <laughs> your, yours is more of a selection and a choice. Mine is a... It's a little past the point of no return, I think. Well, The point of no return. I uh, I got to be honest with you. I loved both of those interviews today. I thought Jai was terrific. Well, he's, he's just a nice man. Anyway, running mm-hmm. for Hennepin County Sheriff. Let's get him elected because we need to serve the people, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, and I thought Damon and Stephen were just terrific guests as well. I know it's very difficult uh, and very hard to, to hang with an hour and a half of people being positive. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't even, it's not like we reached out, let's find somebody positive. They just they just happened to be booked well, the that's same right. day. It just worked out really, Boy, really that, well. That lady that books guests for you, she's pretty good. Yeah, she's just you know swinging the miss not today. Too but, shabby. You know, how's she doing? By the way, she's got a new job. Yeah, she's uh, working for Rocket Mortgage and uh, kicking ass, taking names and Is numbers. She good? Yeah, well, she's having a good time. Yeah, so she's enjoying it. Well, you know, as much as one can enjoy a job. Oh, that's so, kind of. You know, nice. I think that's she wishes she was. Negative. Well, she she works from home. She has a home office, so she doesn't really get to be around people. The only mm-hmm. people she gets to be around is being oh, the yeah, kids. I suppose. So it's uh, we try to go out and have some adult time and go out to comedy shows and movies and concerts and plays when we can. So well, she does like uh, you know hang around decent people, doesn't she? Yeah, and you guys, and us too. Yeah, so okay, it all well, works out. thank you. <laughs> Uh, we appreciate that immensely. I feel much better about myself now that I asked you that question. But no, she does a great job. She's very, she's very uh, fun to work with. Let me put it that way. It's a good way to put it, don't you think? Yeah, and she loves you and your family, and loves the shows. Been a supporter since she was a wee child, and uh, she. I, I just know she loves working and being a part of this. So she was a wee child when I first met she's her. She's still she? kind of a wee child. Yeah, she's a, a wee child. Five so... foot more. Yeah, well, that's true. She's yeah. always going to be small. Yeah, very. But yeah, I mean, the show started a decade ago. Yeah, she's been, I think, listening to the podcast since pretty much the very beginning. Yeah, you know, ten years ago, I was only twenty-five years old. Time keeps on slipping crazy, into the future. Crazy yeah. to think about. But ten thirty, yeah. I would. Uh, there was. What did you say? Ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yeah, God, I was only seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's amazing. It. It's amazing how it's I. Nice of you to adopt an older child like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Just reaching out, trying to help the community. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I, I. I see. I love this. I wish we could do a show like this every day, where it's. You know, you can't do it every day because there are some very negative things, like that damn shooting down in Ovalde. You know what, though? Be the show that people can go to where they don't hear the same crap that's on every other show. I agree. Yeah, everyone you know, else on Earth is going to be yeah. obsessing about the negative. Yeah. It's well, like, you know, true. you have to acknowledge it to some degree, but I don't think everyone has to acknowledge it. I don't think uh, Dora the Explorer needs to be talking about it. Nope. But they're doing it. That they're, now they are doing it on cartoons. Yes, they are. Honest, Scott, I watched a cartoon the other day, and all they talked about on a cartoon was race relations. Mm-hmm. Was it South Park? No, it wasn't South Park. I well, love South Park. Though. Right, but a lot of them, they, they do well, tackle contemporary yeah, issues, do, so yes. I get it. But yeah, they do. Yeah. I just, uh, we need much more positivity. It's like, we, we can get through this. It's not, we don't all hate one another. We're not all, oh my God, you're the worst country on earth. I still love the fact, America's a horrible place. You mean compared to everywhere else on earth? Give me a break. The world is just in an upheaval right now. Yeah. 
You know, it's, it, it, it is, it'd yeah. be really easy to say, oh, this is the worst of the worst. And it's not. We've gone through these cycles over and over again. It's mm-hmm. how you choose to look yeah, at agree. what's going on around you. And making better choices. You know, I am one of those guys. Listen, I took so many hits to the head. I'm sure I have some version of CTE. Oh, my rage is you can fire up pretty quickly. But trying to just take a deep breath and listen. Uh, I love that message that they were sharing. Instead of worrying about what's the next thing I'm going to say in response to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Or, no, no, my point's much more important. Right, right. I, I think listening to what people have to say, kind of getting that vibe and, and, and being okay with going, I heard what you said, Tom. I just don't. I don't understand it, you know? And I think people don't want to sound stupid. But that doesn't sound stupid. It right, but, like but they feel that in. that's, like they said, that one of the greatest things, and I typed it into uh, my social media at the deal, failing does not make you a failure. Right. Right? That's right. It's yep. okay. It's okay to not understand. And sometimes my daughters will get so frustrated with me, and I'm like, but explain it to me. Oh, And I go, listen, how, where would you be in life if Dad didn't say no, stand up and try to walk one more time? Right. Yeah. Just yeah. talk to me, man. What's going on? So I can understand what's going on. Because when I understand it, you know, it makes it easier for all of us to get along and for us to have this this conversation and see if I can see it from both sides. Um, I forget who said it, but uh, there's a quote that goes, trying isn't failing. It's just discovering another way that doesn't work. Right. Uh, Thomas Edison, I believe that I was. I think right? that would make sense. Yeah, it was like 900 versions of his light bulb mm-hmm. before he got the one that worked. Right, right. right. And he actually even stole that uh, from someone else, but you know we don't bring that up. Yeah, well, Thomas he improved Edison, on uh, the uh, design. Tesla, yeah, he from improved Tesla, on right? the design. Well, that's true. He improved on it, but Tesla died broke, you know. Yeah, well, he was a very odd person. Well, he was a very that is very true. very odd. He was a very odd. person. Not that Edison right. wasn't odd himself. I think they, most they inventors in and people like that are very Definitely. bizarre. Well, well, I mean, so? you know, yeah. sitting there yeah. in your tinker workshop all day mm-hmm. by yourself. Filling light bulbs with different gases to see what's more efficient. That's, oh, yeah. that's a weird nope, person thing work. to do. That's it an worked. explosive gas. That's yeah. not a good idea. Worked on your brain, maybe, but not on the light bulb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God, I well, tell I'm you. Just I'll tell I'll tell my beloved to uh, start uh, just focusing on all of that. I know because there's been times she's like, oh, I just had a guest drop and I'm doing this. I said, well, let me go on and see if I can find a guest and I'll throw her a couple titles. And she's like, nope, keep it up. Be- Keep it, you know. Everybody's talking about that. Try to yep. give Tom something different. So I'll I'll root around and see if we can I find agree. a good music guest or a movie guest or an entertainer. Right. So it doesn't have to go down the the realm. You know, doing darkness radio for years, people were like, "Well, what do, what do you think of the shooting? What do you think of of Biden? What do you think of Trump? What do you think of?" The, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Listen, you've got nine million hours of 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 everybody else talking about that. How about if we just talk about something there totally different? Give me lightness radio for yeah. a moment. Yeah." yeah. And we talk about ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, and then you don't have to worry about, oh, one more guy weighing in on the shooting, or is it mental health or gun issues or both, or what are we going to do and nothing's going to change. Yep. That can really wear people's asses oh, out. It wears me out. Yeah. Well, and the conversation is the same every time, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, you could, you could go back to any tragedy in the past 50, 60 years and just lift the conversation and place it, and no one would know any different because it's nothing changes. So why even talk about it? No doubt about it. We got about, oh, guys, five, six minutes left. Do you mind if I bring up this uh, Ricky Gervais deal? Yeah, I heard he had a special special? that made people mad or something. Uh, What? Ricky Gervais pissing people off? I don't Uh, know what they expected. but Amid backlash, Gervais defends taboo jokes. Comedy helps us get through stuff, he says, after criticism of trans jokes in Netflix special. 
Ricky Gervais is making no apologies about a backlash over trans jokes in his new uh, Netflix special. But he tells the BBC that the point of comedy is to help people deal with dicey topics. I think that's what comedy is for, really, to get us through stuff, he tells the one show. I agree with that, by the way. Comedy was put in place to help us get through tough times, you know? Um... And I deal in taboo subjects because I want to take the audience to a place it hasn't been before, even for a split second. Gervais insists he's not anti-trans. However, his critics are piling on after he reeled off a series of jokes about trans people just four minutes into his new Supernature special. Now, by coincidence, Jai came in today and was talking about the fact that there are people out there that think I'm a homophobe, that people think I'm racist, that people think I'm all these things that I'm not, just because they want to think that. There's no evidence at all that I'm well, any of those. It's easier to think about life in terms of if you're not if you're part of the bad side, then you embody everything bad about yeah. the bad side. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. It just well, uh, sometimes people again they read into things, right? So you and I are sitting here. Mm-hmm. I'm having a great day. You're having a crappy day. I text you a comment, a text, uh, not even spoken word, no inflection, mm-hmm. no roll of the eyes. And if you're in a crap mood, I bet you read that. Well, what is he? What is he questioning me like that for? Right. <laughs> yeah, Whereas, maybe, if you yeah. were in a good mood, you'd be like, "Oh, hell yeah, Dave! That sounds like a great plan." Right? It's it's what we bring to a subject, and people people want to be so offended. Are they missing? And I have not watched the show, so I don't want people attacking me on this. Right. But Ricky Gervais does a lot of stuff that's more based in the irony or the hypocrisy of mm-hmm. we'll accept this but not that, and right. pointing those aspects out. And is that what's really taking place in these first four jokes, or yeah, is it, I like it in you know that he's really just being a, a hateful, you know, wordmonger, which I doubt because most of the time the only thing he really seems to hate are people that abuse animals. Everybody right, else, right? That's yeah, true. Yeah, you that's know, true. So, and, and he doesn't like celebrities that think they're, uh, you know, gods and, and above mm-hmm. reproach, and he'll put people in their place, which really we need in this world. I you know, agree. Uh, that's what Don Rickles did for years, God, and people love him. still adore the guy, and he's a legend, right? But Ricky Gervais does it in the woke Me Too environment, and it's about hate speech. And da 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 da. Maybe maybe there's something to learn from what he's sharing. I agree. Now, apparently, what he did, I I don't have it in front of me right now, but apparently, what he did is he was talking about uh, you used to be a man, and now you're a woman. Well, you're a woman except for that penis part. You know, that's those are the kind of things he was talking about. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why. Uh, if I I don't know, I'm not trans, so I don't know how how that feels. To hear something like that, but it would seem to me to be kind of funny. It's like, well, yeah, it's got the penis deal still, whatever. But I mean, who you are in your brain is who you are, so I got no problem with any of that stuff, right? Right. I mean, that's just how it is. It's, it's I mean, challenging whatever. paradigms of what we, what perspective we have, right? Mm-hmm. Listen, I just watched a great documentary kind of uh, interview with Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, and Bradshaw's yep. one of the funniest, sweetest seaman guys on the planet, right? Yeah, he, and through he, this, I, I mean, he's he's getting misty-eyed talking about the fact that it's driven him crazy that people have called him stupid his whole life. That's the perception. He has to go out there yeah, and yeah. smile You're and right. laugh through it. And and in this documentary, I wonder now that it's out how they're going to talk to him on Fox because he goes, "Hey, I get it. I get why they do it, but it hurts." Yeah, and it's you yeah. know I'm I'm human, and oh yeah, let's pick on Terry and you know take the dumb shots, and it makes you wonder will will they change the way they say things on there? You know, I mean when we started doing uh, Darkness Radio, you make the occasional demonic joke. Well, I was married before, and then all of a sudden people start weighing in and go, you know, that's really disrespectful, whether oh, you like that God, woman or not. Jesus. And I but I heard what they were saying. It's like yeah, there's no reason to take a shot. There there was no reason other than I was going for low hanging fruit. So yeah, can we okay. be funny or can we say something that doesn't have to be at somebody else's expense? 
all the time. Okay, well, let me ask you a question. Because mm-hmm. this Josh Donaldson thing has been sticking with me. And I can't remember, was it Tim Peterson? Was that the guy who slid into third base and the guy who oh, called oh, himself? Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson. Yeah. yeah. It's Tim Peterson, isn't it? Josh Donaldson, Tim yeah. Anderson. Tim, Tim Anderson. Anderson. There yeah. you go, Tim Anderson. So uh, he called, he compared himself to Jackie Robinson. Right. Tim, Tim did. Well, apparently, Josh Donaldson, who's a friend of Tim's, tagged him out in a game. And he, and he goes, Sorry, guess you're out, Jackie. Well, Tim got all pissed off at him. You're ridiculing me. What are you doing that for? It's like, no, he was joking. Well, first of all, it's ribbing. You rib yeah, exactly. your buddies. And this you is rib somebody, your buddies. Yeah, and you, you, if you heard, like, the guys I do my Paranormal 60 News with on Friday, we rib each other on air. We rib each right, other off. It's right. just what we do. But, you know, if I knew, if all of a sudden I found out this really bothers them, I wouldn't say that anymore. Because I'm. it's never about trying to hurt. It's just trying to no. make each other laugh or, or taking a shot at each other. And you you kind of see the way this thing goes, but but he's called himself Jackie, Jackie Robinson. Robinson, right? He so has. like if I'm like I'm the Muhammad Ali of the radio, and right. all of a sudden I can't speak well, and and Andy looks over at me and goes, "Yeah, you float like a butterfly, Ali," right? <laughs> I wouldn't be I'd be like, "Oh, you bastard, well, you got true. me." I don't know why you'd be upset. I don't. Right. Why is this guy upset? I don't get you it. You know what it is? It's because you're in the middle of a game, you're yeah. doing something, your adrenaline's going, you're trying to get the base, you're trying to, do, and then somebody. That's a friend of yours takes a, a clear shot, and instead of just realizing it for the jibe it is, you're taking it like I said with that text issue. Right now you're in a sh- mood, so you read my text, yeah, and right, it comes off right. a lot worse than it was meant to be. But right? that's your problem, not mine. Right, but that's that's the whole thing. So it's it's we are in a generation in a world right now where we feel we need to respond immediate mm-hmm. to everything. Yeah, and when I something know. happens, you I know, know what? I could go off to the bench and be pissed off and be angry that Tom made that comment to me and then I go sit down and a few minutes later I'm like, that was pretty good. But yeah, in the moment, it. I got pissed off. And then I might have mentioned somebody else who's like, oh, that's racist. Yeah, maybe it is. And all of a sudden, you get that kind of, you know, people fanning the flames. And it, it becomes something that it doesn't need to be. Well, it's I, funny because I remember when that first happened and everyone was tweeting out about it all the sports and news outlets and everything and you know twitter i don't think anyone would argue is the first people to jump on an outrage controversy just for the sake of outrage no doubt about it. they'll do it immediately without thinking and even twitter the response was overwhelmingly who cares this is dumb yeah it is dumb so it's such a manufactured controversy yep. that not even the outrage junkies care about it it just really you know it's kind of pathetic in a way that they think that people would fall for it that is going to do it fellas i thought of today was a great show i, I loved our guests our guests were terrific today and we'll talk to you tomorrow on the tom bernard podcast